Hello and welcome to the Fifth Quarter Podcast. My name is Luke and today we are recording our final episode of our pre-season content, I guess. Uh, the season is fast approaching and it's very exciting for all footy fans around. This, se- this episode will be our season predictions. So we're going to be looking at a few different things and sharing our thoughts on uh, some ladder positions, the Premiers, the runners-up, uh, Brownlow, Coleman, Rising Star, all these big awards and um, team, I guess, awards that uh, get awarded at the end of the season. And we're going to be making our, our individual predictions. Dita, how are you? Yeah, going well. Uh, it's been an interesting 48, 72 hours on Twitter. It's sort of blown <laughs> up over uh, Ben Mackay's worth. Um it was good to see how passionate the kangaroo fans were in defending a player. And given that we both go for Bulldogs and Carlton, we've seen our fair share of sitting towards the bottom of the ladder. And it's good that uh, kangaroos fans were supporting their boy. Um, to the question of uh, Ben Mackay's worth, will remain to be seen. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully he obviously stays at North because uh, he's obviously a required player given I guess that lack of defensive tool um, it will be interesting if he does move on for greener pastures uh, how are you going? Yeah good it's funny you mentioned the Ben Mackay thing uh, that, if uh, any listeners saw our Twitter sort of feed in the last yeah, couple of days or when this comes out it'll be sort of about a week prior um, that, would, that was Dita sort of Getting stuck into some North fans, and I was actually—I actually thought it was a great, um, a great bit of banter because it was good to see the North fans backing him up, and it was good to hear your side of it. I already know your opinion. I think it was just a classic though um, Twitter miscommunication where we weren't saying he was no good; we were just saying he's not worth eight hundred k. And I'll back you on that one. I don't think he is that much, but he's definitely got potential to be a star player. But uh, yeah, the value is. Uh, waiting to be seen so what we're going to do is we're going to kick off this episode looking at our uh, ladder prediction and we're going to sort of bracket it into different tiers now we are going to do the bottom eight first or sorry the bottom 10 and we're going to divide it into the bottom five and then the top five of the bottom 10 and then with the top eight we'll do sort of fifth to eighth and then first to fourth uh, starting f- all starting from the bottom. So I might start us off. Yep. And I'm going to give you... I'm just going to go through it individually. 18th, I've got the Hawks. I think uh, a rebuilding list. I don't think it's an unpopular opinion, but a few sort of ladder predictions, season predictions I've seen have, have got them finishing a bit higher than 18th. I think that they just lack a little bit of edge. Um, I don't think they're going to win the games that they've sort of stolen in the last couple of seasons. They've lost a fair bit of experience this season and it's not to say that they're not going to be good in the future. I think they've actually got a great pool of young talent coming through, uh, but I don't think they're going to do much more than 18th in my eyes, if if not, maybe just at one or two spots higher. In 17th, I've got the Giants. I know you're slightly more confident in the Giants than I am, Dita, but... The Giants, for me, are not going to be winning many games this year. I still struggle to see where the goals are coming from. 
And I know that they've got some players sort of coming back to full health and some breakout potential players, but I just don't think they're going to get wins. Um, 16th, they've got North Melbourne. You know, they're getting used to the bottom sort of part of the ladder, but that's the harsh reality of a rebuilding list. As a Carlton fan, I've been there and I know the struggle. I think they get a couple wins here and there, but I don't think they do enough. 15th, I've got Adelaide. Uh, A fair few people I've seen have had them pinned as their spooners this year, so um, I think 15th is a fair fair analysis for them, in my opinion. And then 14th, I've got the Eagles. Uh, I, I just don't see where the Eagles go this year. It's, they're ageing, and I guess they're probably the team out of those five that I could see maybe pinching a few more wins than others, but that's my bottom five. Yeah, it's um, always good to hear where we rate different teams. Um, we've got sort of similar three to your five. Um, I think North Melbourne, unfortunately, goes back-to-back uh, to back in the wooden spoon um ben mckay um maybe the face <laughs> of the podcast right now is out with a stress fa- stress fracture to his foot and round one they play uh eagles at marvel and i think with ben mckay that's a 50 50 call um without him I, I don't know if if they can get over the line um so I've got Hawthorne leading up from that in 17th. I think they're, they're just too youthful and they're just going to get beaten up towards the end of the year. Uh, I've got St. Kilda slipping further and further down. I look at their squad and they've just got vulnerabilities everywhere. Uh, they don't have a backup ruck of note. Ben oh, Max King is out for an extended period of time. Tim Membry's injured. They don't have a forward line who can score all goals. And I think they, they could even slip, uh, slip a bit further than that. So it's a bit of a worry for St. Kilda. Essendon, I think they might have one year down with Brad Scott before they launch. But I think, again, they're a bit of an unknown. Um, that's not to say that they can't rise. But I think I think the teams that are around them at the moment might do better in the run home. And then, similar to you, I've got West Coast at 14th. I think they're just too experienced to finish in that bottom full section, but they are getting older, so they might drop very soon. Who are your 10th to... or I should say 9th to 13th? Yeah, well, uh, interesting. You've got um, the Saints and the Bombers in that bottom five. I'm, so, I'm sure that'll rile a couple fans up, but I don't hate it. Um, so in my um, in my thirteenth place, I have got the Saints. Um, they are looking a little bit worse for wear at the moment. They're not coming into the season uh, sort of looking. They don't look in the greatest shape at the moment. I just think it's going to be pretty rough. They're the kind of team that will win games here and there, especially Marvel, which is such a sort of it's a weird stadium. Weird things happen at that ground. So I've got the Saints in thirteen. Uh, 12th, I have Gold Coast. I don't see them doing much this season. I'm sure you'll see improvement in terms of game plan and some individual players, but I don't see enough wins on the board for them this season. 11th, I've got Essendon. Uh, This is probably a bit high for some people, but 
I think Essendon are good enough to pinch a win or two against teams they probably shouldn't. They're, out of all the teams I've said so far, I'm pretty confident that they're the best of the lot, so I, I'm pretty happy putting them above the rest. Uh, 10th, this is where it gets interesting because I've got um, 10 teams that I think are contending for finals. In 10th, I have the Tigers. I've seen a lot of people putting the Tigers in their top four predictions, so I've got them in, not even in my top eight. So 10th for the Tigers. I think their depth is going to be tested, and I think aging list just it's now or never and I think it's going to be never for some of these players that are heading towards retirement soon and when I say never I mean they've already done it it's more so (laughs) that they're just not going to do it again Um, and then in ninth I've got Port Adelaide again a bit like Richmond I just don't like their depth I don't think that they've got enough firepower in their arsenal compared to some of the other teams that I'm going to be putting above them yeah, we've sort of got a few sort of similar teams in that area. Um, I think, you know, this this bottom 10, I don't think is going to be changing in terms of who's going to be there. It's probably just who finishes where. Um, for my 13th, I have GWS. I think they're going to be big improvers under, I think it's Adam Kingsley. Um, and I think they're experienced enough around the ground to really challenge the teams around them and certainly push a bit higher if they get a few sort of good wins against sort of maybe top eight teams i've got adelaide in 12th i think they're building a list quite nicely they've got uh rory sloan back they've got some developing mids young mids um and their forward line is just stacked um, I think if you put that forward line in any of the top eight teams, it doesn't look out of place and quite scary with mm. their avenue to goal. Gold Coast, I think this is going to be a really make or break year for Stuart Dew. And there's a few key inclusions this year in terms of Ben King returning from ACL. I think that gives them a two or three goal better uh, side than what was out there last year and I think he'll complement Marbior, Chol and Kasbolt. Um and even Lacocious if we're to believe what Stewie Drew wants and then I've got Port Adelaide in 10th and Richmond in 9th um, sort of opposite to what you have I think those are the two teams that lack what you said the depth um, they've both got aging demographics to key personnel and I think it's too much for those older statesmen to really shoulder that heavy burden of getting wins like your Dixons or Rewalts, um, Cochin, Boak. I think they're obviously towards the end of their twilight year, um, and I don't particularly see them, yeah, moving or challenging the top eight. So, who are your? to eight yeah well it's interesting we've got the same teams in our top eight which means um i guess it's just the order that they're in that probably will differ but yeah it's interesting that we've both got the same top eight i guess all our discussions together have probably persuaded each other in a way <laughs> yeah but um in eighth i've got collingwood i think that they are good enough to be a top eight team uh that's i don't think in the question that's not a question to be asked. It's just more whether or not they can win the close games like they did last year. If they can win even half of those games, 
that they won last year, I think they'll be pretty happy. Uh, but I do think they sneak into the eight. I think, um, I mean, it's amazing because this time last year I was having them as my wooden spooners. So it's amazing what one year does. But I think they're a class act and I think um, eight, they, they're making the eight. In seventh, I've got uh, Sydney. Big, big disappointment in the grand final for them. But they are still such a young list and they're growing with every game they play. They will regress a little bit, I think. I think they did slightly overachieve, overachieve last year, but Sydney in seven. Geelong in six. I think, if anything, I feel like they might be ones that I've got a little bit low, but they're just undeniable at this stage. You don't want to play Geelong ever, especially come September. They're just a team that knows how to win. The most impressive organisation in the league and the most frustrating team in the league for non-Geelong supporters, that's for sure. And in fifth, I have the Western Bulldogs. I see them bouncing back after what wasn't a very impressive year last year, and I think that they are in top four contention, but probably slide out, in my opinion. It's sort of interesting noting that we've both got the bottom four of the eight <laughs> the same, and then looking at the top four, uh, we've got, obviously got the same teams, but in the same order. So it's interesting that we're on the same wavelength um i'm just looking at my top eight right now and it's so hard to justify why one team should be over another um i feel like this upcoming season from all pre-seasons it's so hard to guess who finishes where um i'm gonna go against the grain and say geelong finish eighth rationale being I think they're more vulnerable in their forward line than they've ever been in terms of Tom Hawkins being so key to kicking a winning score, but his body is starting to, I guess, let him down. He's sort of 50-50 at this stage, playing in a week's time, and if he's out for a significant amount of time, I don't know what Geelong are going to do, as well as um, Jeremy Cameron as well. He's always had sort of maybe issues. Certainly in the first year at Geelong, he couldn't string half the games. Or he may he might have strung 15 games together in his debut year. But I think without Tom Hawkins or Cameron in that forward line, you don't know who's coming in from the VFL. Mm. And if they have a situation where both are out, I don't know who their key tools are. Radigalia and who, really. That's right. Um, Collingwood, I don't think they're obviously going to win uh, their close games as frequently as they did last year, so I've got them in seventh. Bulldogs, I see them rise in two spots to finish sixth. Um, I just don't know if they're going to be consistent in that top eight and against sort of the top eight teams. I've got Sydney as fifth, I think they still might be impacted with the grand final, but they're young and resilient enough to um, stay hungry for the finals and finishing fifth still guarantees a home week, home game in the first week of finals. And uh, that's my five to eight. Mm, yes, yeah, we so the same four teams there. We do have the same four teams, but you did say we have it in the same order. There is a slight difference in the order. Oh, is there? Yes, yes. So in fourth, I've got the Dockers. Um, Frio are a team that I could see 
maybe not being top four. I think if there's one team that I think could slide out of the top four, it would probably be Fremantle. They did lose a fair bit of, um, I guess, depth and experience in the trade period. And I think that could come back to bite them if things don't go their way. But uh, I'm pretty confident in them having a great year. And they do have the West as their own at the moment. I don't think West Coast are going to really do much to take away the momentum that they've been building over over there. In third, I've got my boys, the Blue Baggers. A polarising one. But I think the, the Blues come into this season with a bang. A bit like last season, but I think we continue on with the good form after the buys this time around. I think the list is undeniable. We've got superstars at every end of the ground. I just think if Carlton can't be in the top four conversation, I don't know what's happened at that football club because on paper they're just too good to not be in there. Uh, In number two, just missing out on being minor premiers, I've got the Lions. Uh, Brisbane are a team that I think will win a lot of their games. They're going to be one of the harder teams to come up against. But I have them narrowly missing top spot as um, against Melbourne. I think Melbourne are the number one team in the home and away season this year. I just think they're ready to go again and go for the flag. I think they're at that stage where all they want is to win and I think Melbourne are going to do it. So that's my top four. Yeah, very nice. Um, yeah, obviously misread uh, both our teams. Um, to, in terms of the top four, I have Fremantle IQ on fourth and it's quite good as well what you said. They are probably the one team that could slide out of that top four and we don't know what that depth they lost over the offseason is going to impact them across the 23 or 4 rounds of the home and away season Um, all teams are tested throughout the season and you really rely on those sort of VFL second string uh, players that come in and fill a role I think they've uh, got drastically worse in terms of their second rate team that would fill in so I do think Fremantle finishes around 4th same as you with Carlton, I've got them in third. I will say I don't know what the impact that Walsh, not in the team, towards the start will be, as well as uh, Zach Williams for that maturity experience, although he is sort of replaceable with some of the players you've drafted this offseason or picked up with the SSP. Um, but yeah, their list is worthy of a top four so we just hope that they're able to switch it on for the season and so this is where it differs for the both of us i've got melbourne finishing second and brisbane winning minor premiers um i've got i can't see brisbane losing at all at the gabba i don't know who's traveling up there but i don't uh fancy anyone who has to travel north to to face (laughs) the Brisbane Lions there and if that's a fortress they really just need to travel down to Melbourne and beat some Victorian teams to claim top spot and the reason why I don't have Melbourne finishing first is I still think the Brody Grundy Max Gorn experiment might might take time to click 
Obviously, they've had all preseason to be training, but against opposition rucks and defense, and obviously balancing the ruck time, we haven't seen that much exposure of them. They obviously dominate against Richmond, but Richmond didn't really have many tools in that game uh, last weekend, and they obviously kicked a bag, those two together. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a very exciting top eight to watch. It's interesting because um, obviously we've, we've, generally speaking, we've got pretty similar opinions on how the season will sort of look at the end, at the end of the home and away season. It's interesting though because a lot of people have been sceptical on whether Carlton and Port Adelaide will be teams that can push into the eight. And I think it was, um, I could be wrong, but I think it was Nathan Buckley put out his top eight, his predicted top eight, and it was the same teams, but in a different order, but the same teams from last year's top eight. And I don't have the stats on it, but I know that you probably got a better idea of this than I do, but I don't think that there's very many times where the top eight is exactly the same as it was the year before. Um I think that there will be changes coming into the top eight. I think Carlton and Port Adelaide are the teams that would uh, push in. Yeah. You know, some people think Gold Coast might, and that's fair enough if that's your opinion. But um, I, I don't see how the top eight doesn't change, even by just one team. So makes for an interesting conversation. But we'll move on. I'm going to talk about the grand final. And my runners-up for the grand final are going to be Melbourne. I think they fall short right at the end. Uh, they're going to lose in, at the G in front of their home crowd. That's that's tough. I think that they just miss out on winning another flag, and I think it's at the hands of the Brisbane Lions. I think they get it to click in September, finally. You know, last year they were steamrolled by a smoking hot Geelong train. This year, I think it's time for Brisbane to stamp their mark on the league. These players are too good to not do something. <laughs> and I do want to say, it took every ounce of me not to put Carlton there. But I think Brisbane can do it. Um, yeah, I had a first edition where Carlton made the grand oh. final. <laughs> but, yeah, it's such an even competition at the moment. People are going to be uh, saying a few things when I uh, say my premiere. <laughs> Um, but I do agree that Melbourne finish as the runners-up. I'm not sure what might be the reasoning in terms of that sort of that final stumbling block to reach um, a second premiership in two or three years. Um, I just still wonder about their forward line and how dysfunctional that is because we saw last year when uh, Tom McDonald wasn't there. They just could not score any goals. And Ben Brown's knee still has question marks. Um, you don't know how good Gorn or Grundy will be resting up forward or playing permanently forward in large stretches. And I think that might expose them as well. Um, but have for the Premiers, the Bulldogs, <laughs> um, which is a bit ridiculous given I'm a Western Bulldogs fan. Um <laughs> I think I think their list when it is up and running and that is a very big capital italics bolded if they get it together I think 
they could challenge anyone, um, especially if they have that four-pronged attack. Um, and one thing to note as well, I think the extra motivation for Bulldogs is the 2021 Grand Final loss. And I think if Bulldogs play Melbourne in the Grand Final, we will see a lot of sparks here and there. So I'm very biased. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't know. That's what you, I think. You, you, <laughs> you have forgotten that defence wins premierships. Yep. And you guys do not have a back line. <laughs> uh, well, you may have a back line, but it's not at the level of the rest of the top eight. But yep. I tell you what, if you're right on that, geez, that's a good get because I don't think many will be saying that at this stage of the year. Um, we'll move on. We're going to look at the Brownlow. Um, now, I have a feeling we're going to have a similar opinion. So what I'll, I'll do is I'm going to give you two guys that I think are capable of winning it, but I'm going to give you my prediction last. Yep. Um, yep, yep. I, th- I think Fremantle's Andrew Brayshaw. Mm-hmm. If Freo have a top four year, he's going to be tough to beat. I think he is just so clean, so classy. Um, I He's undeniable in the fact that he's going to be a Brownlow contender for a long time to come. He's on that trajectory for sure. I think he's just going to be the standout at that team, and that team could be fantastic. The other player who I'm kind of earmarking for a Brownlow, and this one will make you laugh, but there's a reason I haven't got him as my prediction, is uh, I think this could be a year where we see it move out of the midfield. Oh, that should have been one of our hot takes on Twitter. That's a hot take there. I think it, if it's going to happen, it's going to be this year. And I think oh. that there are two players who could pull it off. First one being Jeremy Cameron from the, the Cats. Assuming he's up and up and uh, healthy, I think he is their best player by a long way. I think he's the best forward in the league when he's up and, up and at it. I don't think there's many um, arguments with that, given how long he's done it for now. I think he's someone who could really um, just poll votes for fun if Geelong have a year where they're, again, a top four team. The other forward would be Charlie Curnow, as my Carlton bias comes out. I think there's more competition for votes, though, at Carlton, so that's a factor. But my prediction is going to be, and I think it's a popular one, Marcus Bontempelli of the Bulldogs. I think he's just ready to wear Charlie around his neck. There's not really much more to say other than that he he's the best player on a team that's going to improve from last year, and I think he's arguably the best midfielder in the competition uh, on any given day. Oof. Um, good to hear some sort of smokies with Brayshaw and the uh, two forwards. Um, I think if Fremantle finish top two... I think it's Brayshaw's. Um, if they finish third or fourth, you look at the teams that could be above them and with Lockie Neal and even Dunkley finishing with obviously Brisbane and Melbourne with Oliver or Petrarca, any of those four could win it really. They're just so dominant yeah, for their teams. You're forgetting about the the reigning Brownlow medalist if you're talking about oh, And yeah, him. well, Paddy Cripps as well. Um <laughs> You know, it would be fascinating and amazing to see a back-to-back Brownlow. I don't know if that's ever been done, yeah. but if that were to happen, I think Paddy Cripps would have to be very, 
very high up in the uh, best midfielder com- conversation if if that were to happen. Um, but he will be shouldering a bit of bit more with uh, Walsh out of the side early on. But He'll be fine. He'll do it. He, he, he's shown that he can carry a team for a whole season, so uh, good luck to him. I, I've got a joint winner, Ooh. and I hope it. I hope to see some joint uh, winners in the future. Um, I don't know if it'll happen, and it's very unlikely to happen, um, but I've got Christian Petrarca and the Bontempelli, I think both are at that stage of their careers where they've won everything and they're just wanting that final piece of silverware, particularly for Petrarca because he's got a Norm Smith. I think they might be uh, Brownlow hunting. And I think they're similar in the sense that they obviously rack it up in the midfield and get clearance after clearance but I think what separates them from a lot of other midfielders is that they can go forward and kick goals whether that's resting forward or running through a you know a center bounce and bombing it long because if they can if they average 30 disposals a game and 1.5 goals a game that's going to get them Charlie I reckon but there's so many midfielders in that top eight that can win it I do like your Smokey with Jeremy Cameron. I think if Geelong finish inside the top four or even the top two, it could be his year if he can stay on the park for the entirety of the season. Um, moving on to the Coleman medal. Did you want to have a go? Yeah, yeah. Go so, yep, I'll, um, I'll say two names. that I, I, I think this is a competition between three players this year. I think... The Coleman medalist will kick more more goals than last year. Uh, last year, the winner was in the high 60s or low 70s or whatever. I think they push um, into the high 70s, maybe even low Ooh. 80s this year. I think the quality of key forwards go, going into this year, I think, is in, improving. I think that sort of game style where you look for a key forward is as opposed to sort of the mobile, mid-sized smalls. I think looking for the key forward is back, and I think that means more goals. And I think Tom Lynch is someone who will be Ooh. right up there. I don't think he's winning it. I don't think he's winning it, but I think he is definitely going to be very close, as will Jeremy Cameron. I think these guys, when I say very close, I mean these three players that I'm going to name are going to be all within five goals of each other, in my opinion. But Tom Lynch, Jeremy Cameron, but my common medalist this year will be Charlie Kerno of the Carlton Blues. He's my man. I love him. He's won the Coleman after being out for years with two straight ACL injuries. The sky's the limit with this guy. I just, he's one player I've never lost faith in as a Carlton fan. I just, even before the injuries, you looked at the way, like the score involvements and he was leading the team in score involvements by miles. And he's added just the size on his body and the presence that he brings into the forward line. I don't think Harry Mackay even has a... doesn't even make a difference on how many goals he kicks, to be honest. If anything, he helps him. So I think Charlie's going to be wearing the Coleman medal come the end of the year. But any of those three, I wouldn't be surprised. I actually like that uh, Tom Lynch... Uh nomination um 
I thought it was very stiff not to make the All-Australian squad or even the uh, All-Australian team. Well, I think with Tom Lynch as well, he... I think he averaged the most goals per game yeah. last year by a fair way. It was just that he missed a fair bit of footy. I think he played 16 games, yeah. which um, I think hurts. I thought he was deserved of even a bench spot, to be honest. Um, I'm still filthy. Back in 2018, Andrew Gaff, when he knocked out Brayshaw, played 15 games and made it into the All-Australian squad when... McRae was, I thought, far and above him to be given that opportunity. Um, I think Jeremy Cameron as well, he could obviously win it. I think he's won Coleman before as like a 20-year-old or something. It was a bit mm, insane. He was, he was very young. Yeah. Very young uh, back in GWS. But I've got the same Coleman medalist as you, and I think think he's going to go back-to-back. Charlie Kerno, I think he's such a unique player given his size and mobility he's certainly different from your Tom Lynch and Jeremy Cameron and I think that's just going to set him apart I think having Mackay as that key forward will allow Kerno to have a bit more freedom with whoever plays on him and I think he's one of the best marks in the game and certainly one of the straightest kicks from what I've seen and I obviously rate him very, very highly in in that regard. And one of my favourites also from an opposition perspective as well. That's nice to hear from a (laughs) non-cult supporter. (laughs) Um, We'll move on and uh, it's our final award. Actually, I will say this. This is... uh, Sorry to interrupt you. Um, So Charlie Curno and Josh Dunkley were in the same draft... And in the pre-season sort of trade period before the, uh, the national draft, Bulldogs traded with Carlton and Bulldogs gave up pick 11 for Charlie Kerno, and we got back um, Josh Dunkley and the pick before him. And it obviously worked for both of us, but now that Dunkley's not at the Bulldogs, I'm feeling sad. We don't have Charlie Kerno, but not like we need him. Uh, look, I think every team could use Charlie, just, just, just in my opinion. But we'll move on to our final award, and that is the NAB Rising Star. Look, I'll be completely honest, Will Ashcroft is winning this, but yep. that's a boring prediction, so I'm going to do it for who I think is going to come second in the Rising Star. And I've gone with a West Coast player who was not in the most recent draft. It is a guy who was in the mid-season draft last year, and that is Jai Cully. I think West Coast need a new look in that midfield. And I think Jai Cully can be a real brute force to be um, someone who they inject in with the old guys. I like him. I thought he was great when he played last year. And from all reports, he's looking fantastic this preseason. And I just think it's a point of difference that the Eagles need going into the year. So I like Jai Cully as a little smoky for... The Rising Star. Yeah, that's a very good shout. Uh, Jai Cully obviously was the uh, number one pick in the preseason draft last year. Um, I've got a fellow uh, Eagles player winning the NAB Rising Star, and I've got Ruben Ginby, or Ginby. Uh, apologies for mispronouncing it. I think I think he's the dark horse of the competition for the NAB Rising Star. I think... He's got that mature body that um, was noted highly from 
recruiters and draft experts last year and I think he's a developing player that didn't show that full exposure in his under 18 year because playing off halfback for half that season and I think being a regular midfielder in the Eagles team I think that just gives him that exposure to really showcase to the rest of the competition that you shouldn't sleep on someone like Ginby and I think over the weekend when West Coast played Adelaide, Gimby had the most tackles and clearances for the Eagles team, which I thought was very impressive in his first uh, official hit out against a senior team, senior opposition team. And obviously I think a fit Ashcroft wins it every day of the week, but, you know, wanted something different and... I think Gimby is that guy. Gimby is my guy. Yeah, you've been big on him well long before the draft, so I'm not surprised by that. Another player I think uh, worth noting who could pinch it if um, things go right. I was really impressed with his preseason games, and that was uh, Harry Sheasel from North. Still a bit of some question marks on whereabouts on the field he'll play, but he um, he looked really good and just looked like he was ready to play at the level. So he's another. Name to keep an eye out for, but other than that, that's our um, that's all the predictions done. Do you have any uh, final thoughts or I guess predictions that you want to talk about, or have you have you gone through them all? Um, probably just a final sort of secondary smoky for the Nab Rising Star. I reckon Mateus Philippou might be quite high up there, given the position St Kilda are at with um maybe rebuilding and I think he might be their star attraction for the season ahead but that's all from me um back to you yeah so that'll do it for our season predictions this season what we will be doing is on twitter we'll be super active come the start of the home and away season it's going to be really close by the time this comes out um it'll be very very close and we've only got one more... We actually do have one more episode planned for uh, before the season starts, and that's our Supercoach reveals. Were we planning on doing that? Um, or yeah, is that a Twitter thing? That might be a Twitter thing. All just, right. Just uh, with a lack of time and recording, might be just easier to showcase our teams online. Yeah, that's good. So keep an eye out for that because we've, we know we've got a fair few Supercoach or AFL Fantasy players that are listening and keeping an eye on us. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Any questions, thoughts, and we'd love to hear your predictions. Please let us know. Uh, as Dita uh, showcased during this week, he's more than happy to interact with all you uh, listeners and uh, observers of the Twitter. He might roast you for having a different opinion. Uh, I'll, I'll sit back and have a laugh, but you know, it's all, all in good faith. And I hope those North Melbourne fans didn't lose any sleep over this full rambling on about uh finishing 18th but all fun and games i think yeah reach out to us if you've got any questions and uh thank you for listening through and hopefully uh any of your predictions or hot takes that you guys have come true by season's end i'll uh i'll leave it on that we'll see you next time